Welcome to the Weekly Stuff Podcast with Jonathan Lack and Sean Chapman. We are here to talk about stuff this week on the show. Last week, we discussed the uh, top 10 games of 2022. This week, we are telling you what games we are excited for in 2023, and maybe some movies as well with our 2023 year in preview episode. It's kind of an interesting year because it, it could wind up being an extremely big year for video games because a lot got delayed out of 2022 into 2023. Of course, a lot could get delayed out of 2023 into 2024, so we'll talk about that. That'll be a discussion today. Uh, we're also going to go over, um, we learned what the DC Universe is planning for their sort of relaunch with James Gunn at the head, and I want to go through this because it's both crazy and interesting, and I don't know, I'm, I'm curious about it. So I thought we would talk about that, and that'll be our podcast today. Yes, yeah, so, I mean it's it's the long adventure of the DC movie enterprise. Uh, it's like yes. one of the longest running topics on this the history of this podcast. I believe it was Comic Con twenty thirteen where they announced Batman v Superman and that they were creating they were leveraging Man of Steel to create a DC universe. And our podcast launched twenty twelve. So it has been this is like the ten year anniversary of that. We're gonna lose our fucking minds decision at DC. Uh, that led us to where we are now. Yes, the moment where everyone looked at it is like, are you sure it's a good idea not to at least make a second <laughs> Superman movie Superman and movie? not to do at least one Batman movie before you have them fight? Are you sure that's a great idea? And to make Batman v Superman a stealth Justice League launch movie and nothing else in between? Yeah. Uh, Flash movie, I think announced at that same Comic-Con, still not out. <laughs> and And we all pray it just never comes out. Well, we'll see. So that is today's podcast. Sean, what have you been up to? I have continued to be... I'm still playing Tsukihime. Uh, nice. It is, I'm, <laughs> I should probably be done by it or done with it by next week. Um, I'm getting pretty close, I think, to the kind of ending section of the second of the two routes that are in this remake. It continues to be great, um, but I don't have a lot to, lot to say about it. I'm in the same boat with Fire Emblem Engage. I am. I've put like 55 hours into that game so far. Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's because it's like it's like I'm spending like all my free time with it because I'm mm -hmm. focusing on it for a lot of stuff. But then also, if I'm just like watching a TV show or listening to a podcast, then that's when I go in and like do all the training and I'm like you know buying materials for my units and I'm doing like paralogs and all this other stuff. So I'm like almost always playing it when I'm not doing something else. It's crazy, but it's fantastic. It's such a good game. I'm on like chapter 22 or 23, so I'm near the very end. And the plot, like, if you want a game with plot twists, you will love Fire Emblem Engage. It is a twisty-ass game. A lot of big stuff. Phenomenal voice cast. I'm. I, it's emerged for me that there are so many good actors in this game. The best performance in it is Reina Ueda, who plays Vale, who is a major character who has... She kind of has a dual role in the game. And obviously, she's a great actress. You might know her as Ganyu in Genshin. She's in mm -hmm. lots of stuff. Um, she's in Hathaway's Flash, yep. the female lead in that. Yeah. So we've we've talked about her more and more over the last couple of years because she just keeps popping up in things we discuss. But uh, phenomenal performance there. I got to a cutscene today where Junichi Suwabe sings. Um, it's great. It's a really good game. Uh, and you should play it in Japanese because that cast is insane. Um, but we will talk about that more in the weeks to come. I might wait to do a final like review-y thing on that until I'm actually done with it. But I'm playing the shit out of it and loving it. Um, so do you just want to move on to the news, Sean? Yeah, it's it's been a while since I asked you this question, Jonathan. What's going on in the news? Uh, well, there was a balloon over the skies of America. <laughs> I 
I'm kidding. We are not talking about Balloon Gate um, because we're not a crazy right wing podcast uh, during a slow news week. Uh, no, we are. What going if it's to- actually UFO though? What if this time everyone thinks it's a balloon, but really this one is actually a UFO? What if that's what it is? It's aliens. And, and what if China is like just balloons. as confused as we are, and they're exactly. like. They think it's us. It's a UFO. We're freaked the fuck out. <laughs> I've, I've cracked it, Jonathan. It's, this is the time. It's first contact, motherfuckers. That would be a great plot for a first contact movie where Chi- America thinks it's a Chinese balloon and China is like not commenting because they don't know what it is. And then that forces China and the U.S. to come together. Be great. There we go. You yeah. know. Um, all right. So <sighs> D.C., a lot of things going on at DC. You know, DC has been interesting because they've never really sort of in the film zone been kind of under one leadership structure the way Marvel has been since the MCU sort of started. Um, where with DC you've had even, you know, there's been the whatever attempts in the movies we all know about with Batman v Superman and Justice League, but not that Justice League. Now there's Zack Snyder's Justice League, all that stuff, right? But then you've also always had like CW had their own DC universe, which was called the Arrowverse, because Arrow was the first show in that line of shows. Um, You've had their animated movies, which have had different levels of continuity. You've had different animated series. You've had different video games. In part, that's actually made DC more interesting at times, because there's so many corners of it. Like, while I was generally disinterested with the DC movies, I had a lot of fun with the Arrowverse on the CW, and that eventually kind of petered out, but there was good stuff over there. There were always some interesting things going on in animation. But they are now making a concerted effort uh, to try to bring everything together. They have hired, this is old news, but they've hired James Gunn, director known for Guardians of the Galaxy, got into the DC universe with the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, uh, and Peter Safran. Peter Safran is a movie producer, he used to be a talent executive. Now, um, with producing, he actually started producing movies with, I think, like the Conjuring series, which was a pretty big hmm. get for Warner Brothers. And then he did some of the bigger DC like hits, like Aquaman and Shazam, some of the ones that were like better received. So those two are now in charge of DC Studios. And James Gunn did a little presentation this week saying what they're planning for the first couple of years. Um, just to lay this all out, and says the goal is to bring all the DC stuff under one straightforward label. That doesn't necessarily mean everything in one continuity, but they want to have some clarity there. Um, Basically saying without saying, they want to have sort of a main MCU continuity, now just called the DCU. They're no longer doing DCEU, they're just going DCU. I always thought that was funny. They didn't want to call it the DCU because that sounded too much like MCU, so they went with DCEU. It's all stupid. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, so James Gunn uh, went through this. Uh, So let's go through what DC has. I will note that the graphic that went out on social media for this uh, is hilariously silly because it had a three-tiered system called Universe Reset, Chapter 1, Gods and Monsters, and DC Elseworlds. And it made me laugh very hard because uh, it's silly. But it made a little more sense when James Gunn was telling us about it. So first off, there were... He didn't call them the holdovers, but the holdovers, like the stuff that before he and Peter Safran got involved is made and has to come out, right? Uh, and so there is Shazam. Or, you know, hey, they, they've made movies and decided they don't want those movies <laughs> to come out. So some of these, they could just say, fuck it, let's just not put it out, which one of these they should. Well, the Batgirl, they did do that with. Uh, but anyway, no, they have Shazam 2. That is coming out. Uh, and this was actually kind of funny because Gunn said explicitly that... Uh, it was unclear where Shazam fit in the DCU before. He said, he's in the DCU now. He's, he's good. Shazam is here. Then there is the Flash movie. James Gunn promises us it's good. We'll see. Uh, but the Flash is supposed to be the universe reset point. Something will happen there. 
some crisis on infinite or it's a bullshit that will allow them to have a new continuity and then after that the next two movies all of this is this year by the way four of these this year because the flash is june then in august is the blue beetle movie starring the uh one of the kids from the uh cobra kai show and then you have aquaman 2 coming in december so those are all the holdovers and i guess Aquaman Part 2 will now have happened after a universe reset, which surely was not planned when they wrote and produced that movie, but that's fine. Um, Aquaman can go do his own thing. So, then they are leading into what they're calling their Chapter 1 stuff, kind of like the Marvel phases, and says they are working on an 8-10 to 10 year plan for the future of DC Studios film, TV, and gaming. Now, they didn't actually mention any games in this, but they were clear that they want all of this stuff, film and TV and games, kind of under one label. He announced a couple film projects. He also announced TV shows, some of which are for HBO Max, some of which are for HBO proper. All streams on HBO Max, obviously, but, you know, kind of a different pipeline. Mm -hmm. So here is what they announced, Sean. Chapter one is called Gods and Monsters. Uh, the first thing is an animated series called Creature Commandos. James Gunn wrote this series. Uh, it's already in production. And they want these characters to move into and out of animation with the same actors doing voice work and then playing the characters in live action. That's one thing they maybe want to do in future animated shows. Do you know who those characters are? I have never heard of Creature Commandos in my life. I'm going to Google it now okay. and okay. see if I recognize anything from this. It, it might be a title for something like that existed with a different name previously. Um, I mean, I really loved Peacemaker and Gunn wrote all of that. So, you know, anything animated, that's fun. It's a different kind of thing. I like the focus on starting off with something weird and animated. That seems nice. It uh, seems like Creature it? Commandos is like maybe kind of like Universal Monster style. Like they're not actually the Universal Horror Monsters, I but see. basically like this guy's basically a Frankenstein's monster kind of thing is what it looks like. But I've okay. never actually heard of any of these specific comic book characters. I mean, that could be fun. I kind of like that they're leading with something that out there, but whatever. Then we are getting uh, Waller, an Amanda Waller show, okay. again played by Viola Davis. This is a spinoff of Peacemaker. It seems like... So Peacemaker had had a season two order. For obvious reasons, James Gunn might not be around to do that because he's busy with everything else. So it seems like this is taking the place of Peacemaker Season 2. It'll have John Cena. It'll have Danielle Brooks, who played Amanda Waller's daughter in Peacemaker. It's being written by Crystal Henry, who wrote on The Watchmen Show, and Jeremy Carver, who ran The Doom Patrol Show. The People Swear to Me is good. I've never seen, but people like that show. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is the Amanda Waller Show. Viola Davis has somehow survived like five different reboots of the DC Universe. Um, which is fine. She is perfect casting as Amanda Waller. Um, but, you yeah. know. That should yeah. be like what happens at the end of that Flash movie. Is like it turns out that Viola Davis as Amanda Waller is just the center of the multiverse. Like she's the bedrock <laughs> upon all universes are built. Um, and that's like, and then she like kills the Flash and resets the universe. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be cool with that. I would yeah. totally watch Amanda Killer, uh, Amanda Waller kill Ezra Miller. That would be very yes. fun. It'd be great. <laughs> all right. Then the true beginning of the DCU is the new Superman movie. Superman Legacy is what they're calling it. It's scheduled for July 2025. James Gunn is writing this. It's unclear. They, they, Gunn has said separately he's not sure who's going to direct it, whether he will want to or not. Um, the art they showed for it was the cover of All-Star Superman, 
which I can't imagine they're adapting directly, but um, no. kind of an interesting statement of intent. I don't know. Because they've said... Just to be clear, if for people who don't know, the plot of All-Star Superman is that Superman gets a lethal dose of radiation and is dying. Like, his powers are becoming more powerful, but he's also dying at the same time, which would be a hell of a plot to try right. to adapt for your first new Superman movie. It would put a real, a real sort of time limit on your new universe. Well, you know, last time they killed Superman in his second movie. This time yeah. they're going to kill him in his first movie. No, I mean, uh, Goku, this motherfucker. <laughs> we're just going to kill him immediately. Yes. Gunn has separately said this is a, like, it's explicitly, this is not an origin story, but it is a young Superman movie. Um, so, you know, I, and obviously there are other inspirations you could take from All-Star Superman yes. without the plot of him dying. So either way, I, I like that they are doing a big Superman thing. That is correct that the start of the DCU should probably be a big Superman mm -hmm. thing. It technically was last time, but no one planned it that way. Um, and I think James Gunn is smart, and you know this will probably. I am. I am looking forward to them putting money behind Superman. That's, I guess, my thought. Yeah, I'm curious to see what it is. I've been burned so bad on Superman um, from DC recently that, like, I mean, ever since Man of Steel, really, and then they've continued to do their like wallowing in. Let's do fake evil Superman stories forever. Um, so I need to see what it actually is for me to actually get excited about it. But if they, but they should make a good Superman movie. They should have made a good Superman movie 10 years ago and they didn't. So maybe they'll do it this time. You know, James Gunn has mostly written more of the sort of misanthropic heroes. But I think if you look at his stuff, there's such a fundamental sweetness to Guardians of the Galaxy and everything. And it's so clear he knows these characters. I would, I'm guessing this is not a Zack Snyder situation where he kind of hates Superman. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And it's doing this out of anger. Um, so anyway, uh, and to another be clear, that's Henry Cavill is is not Superman anymore, no. right? Like that was nope. there's He's a whole done. weird back and forth there for a month or so where it's like uh, 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 is he is he is he oh apparently he's in Black Adam in a, it's like but no he's not actually coming back. The whole story behind that apparently is that Dwayne Johnson who wheeled all of the Black Adam stuff into existence uh -huh. just really really wanted that in there. And then Henry Cavill kind of made this stealth announcement, and but there was never any, like James Gunn has said, he never talked to Henry Cavill. The plan was never to bring him back. I mean, the plan is not clearly not to bring anyone back. They're mm -hmm. starting fresh in some ways, like Aquaman is surviving, stuff like that. Well, Wonder Woman is up in the air because separately we know um, they have kind of passed on Patty Jenkins's pitch for Wonder Woman 3 or some kind of meeting of the minds did not happen there. Anyway, that's the Superman thing. Everything else they've announced, there's no dates for yet, which I'm actually, I like the honesty of that. I like that these are things we intend to make. We're not going to put a bunch of dumb dates on them. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the next thing is they are making an HBO show. So they said specifically, this is like it'll air on HBO called Lanterns. It is Jon Stewart and Hal Jordan, plus a few of the other Green Lantern characters. Their pitch is True Detective, but with Green Lanterns in it, which basically means they're, you know, solving crimes. Uh, Earthbound, not a big space show, will tie into the larger DCU. They've been trying to make a Green Lantern show for years. Greg Berlanti, who did the Arrowverse stuff, was tied to it, and he wanted to do an all sort of outer space one. This is a completely different pitch from different people, but that is uh, another thing they are working on. That sounds like an interesting way to do that. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I, the, I don't, I can't picture in my mind what like True Detective meets Green Lantern looks like, but you know, technically they're cops. You know, there's they're like space cops or whatever that are given specific space sectors to preside over. So it's I love not, the it's idea. Not the most far fetched thing. 
I love the idea of... A, have you ever seen the actual show, True Detective? No, I've only seen, like, clips okay. and stuff, so... So, I mean, the first season of True Detective that, that made it big, the one people liked, is Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson as two cops, and it's set in two time periods. One where they are older and retired, and they're looking back on this case that they failed to solve. And then most of the show is in flashbacks, and, like, their lives have been, like, ruined by, like, the guilt over this thing. I love the idea of that being a Green Lantern show, and you've just got Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart as like old green lanterns who are like angry about a case they never solved because that's what comes to my mind when you say true detective i i think james gunn meant it more in the this will be a prestige hbo show with a mystery <laughs> but you know whatever <laughs> yeah i do have to at least like one thing that is nice is um them specifically saying that one of the green lanterns they'll focus on is john stewart that was the green lantern in the old Justice League cartoons, so that's the one that I like the most. Hal Jordan has always been a very boring character. Like, all of the kind of original versions of those uh, heroes were, like, semi-original. The Silver Age versions of those heroes are all kind of very bland. Um, so at least they're like, yeah, we'll give you the one that, like, is the Green Lantern that people actually like, but then we'll also put the one that, like, we have to put in there, Hal Jordan, because he's, like, the one that the brand, said, like, has the most attachment yes. to. All right. Uh, then there is a movie, uh, specifically a movie called The Authority, that is a passion project of guns based on the marvelous Wildstorm characters uh, and will interact with other DCU characters. Uh, Gunn says it's a group of superheroes who think the world is broken and want to fix it by any means necessary. I don't know Wildstorm, but Gunn seemed very enthusiastic about it. Yeah, I think, I believe Wildstorm, that's like, are those image imprint characters? I don't think those are originally DC characters, but I might be misremembering that i don't know um this is definitely not something that i'm super familiar with yeah so wildstorm was a different imprint um interesting okay yeah so yes well, that's so that's interesting yeah so in their original incarnation they wouldn't have been part of the dc universe but they are now i guess part of the dc universe yeah i saw a lot of people who have seen these comics very uh enthused about this on twitter I mean, it uh, I sounds like a James Gunn comic book project, right? It's yes. like in the same vein of like Guardians of the Galaxy or Suicide Squad. It strikes me as a similar sort of comic book property. Yeah. Then there's a TV series called Paradise Lost, which is about Paradise Island, the Mascara, the birthplace of Wonder Woman. He says, sort of like Game of Thrones, but on Paradise Island. And I call bullshit on that because I yeah. do not think you're going to make it like a Game of Thrones. I hope you're not going to make it like Game of Thrones. Uh, I don't think there's that much sex going on. Well, at least there's not that much heterosexual sex going on on Paradise Island. Maybe something else, but we'll see. I just really wish that they did a adaptation of Milton's epic poem, Paradise Lost. So they're just like, we're just going to stick it. Here's our like adaptation of the book of Genesis, basically. And we're just going to say it, it's, you know, part of the DC universe. We just really were a big fan of Milton's stuff. So we just wanted Yahweh to is now in the DCU. <laughs> yes. How many seasons would a, would a true Paradise Lost adaptation take, Sean? A lot. That's okay. it's very long. It's okay. like, it's, I mean, it's the book of Genesis, basically. Yeah. All right. Then we have Batman the Brave and the Bold. Here's where it gets confusing, kids. Uh -huh. uh, Matt Reeves' Batman is continuing. They have they actually dated the sequel, which they are calling The Batman Part 2. I like that. That is a surprisingly elegant title for a Batman sequel. And it is the first time in 30 years we've had a Batman with a number on it, which is hilarious to me. But that is coming out October 2025. So, like, that is continuing. They're calling that DC Elseworlds. Matt Reeves can do whatever he wants, but they also want to have a Batman in the DCU. So we are going to have two Batmans at the same time on the big screen. This is specifically, they want to do 
the Grant Morrison run with Damian Wayne, who is Bruce Wayne's uh, biological son uh, and is the like fourth Robin. Gunn calls Damian his favorite Robin and says they want to do specifically big bat family stories in the DCU. I love this idea in the abstract. I think it's a little confusing to have it going the same time as what Matt Reeves is doing, but Mm -hmm. that is exactly what I would want to see out of a Bat Family kind of story. Damian Wayne is an awesome character. Yeah, I mean, you know, Damian is definitely the best Robin, you know, because you've got um, Dick Grayson. I think, like, people honestly like him more as Nightwing. He's the original Robin that becomes Nightwing. Um, Yeah, so, like... I love Damien. I think he's a great character. I think it says a lot about how good he is as a character that he has been so enduring um, because th- these stories are very old. I think Grant Morrison's run now is like from like 2006 or seven, I want to say. Like it's fairly old at this point, but you know, Damien is still around as like the Robin and he's in a bunch of the games and he's in the TV shows and stuff like that in the animated movies. Um, so I think that's like a good spot to go. But I do wonder... Like, I think I think that would be a hard movie to make. I think you need to get like a very good script and a very good director, because if you're making a Bat Family movie, particularly that's like your first movie in this continuity with these characters, like that's going to be presumably a lot of characters to juggle and a lot of concepts that will be familiar to hardcore Batman fans, but will not be familiar to like the, the people at large who like are generally aware of kind of what a Robin is but do not know anything about what a Damian Wayne is, probably have no idea what the fuck a Nightwing is um, or any of that kind of stuff. So I'm curious how they would kind of balance and try to tell that story as an entry point story for a continuity of Batman. It should be animated. Like that is my main Uh thing is like it would, because we do, there is no precedent whatsoever for having two ongoing live action incarnations of a superhero in movie theaters. That's never happened and probably shouldn't. Um, but there is an animated precedent, which is you have the Marvel Spider-Man and you have the Spider-Verse Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And part of why I think audiences buy that is that one is animated and crazy and one is live action and uh, also crazy. But you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Um, and I think like this would lend itself to animation so well. I know that because they did all of this <laughs> yes. in the DC animated movie. It's a really good run of movies if you've never mm-hmm. seen it. That's the Damien Bashir Batman they do all of it. There's one of them is Batman versus Robin. There's the whole like run of movies that are actually really fun Batman movies. Um, and I feel like do this animated. That would work so well. And of course they're not going to, cause they want this to cross over with Superman and everything. But yeah, I mean, I just, I've seen people going like, no, everyone understands multiverses and stuff now, blah, blah, blah. It's not about that guys. It's just, it is, it's just conceptually weird to have Matt Reeves Batman coming out but also another Batman movie that'll come out a year later, but a totally different... It's just weird. I don't know what else to say. It's oversaturating the market. Yeah, exactly. I think it's oversaturating the market, and it's like, I feel like you're, those Batman movies are going to cannibalize each other. Like, one is going to be, presumably, Batman Part Two will be a lot more attractive to general audiences than this movie is, unless they like have like a really good pitch and trailer and stuff that makes the general audience really interested. Um, but, like, I think, you know, I really love Bat Family stuff. You really love Bat Family stuff. But the, like, general public at large thinks of Batman as, generally speaking, a, like, loner character that's very dark and stuff. The Batman movies, or, like, the Batman with Robert Pattinson, the, presumably the sequel, like, plays into that interpretation that is friendly to the general audience's understanding of and liking of Batman. Um, whereas... Batman being a literal father and having to deal with Damien and like the kind of the 
the humor and stuff that comes along with that is, I think, awesome, but is not what people generally think of when they think of Batman. So I think that's one of the reasons why, to me, this feels, even while it's a movie I'm curious and interested in, I'm not sure it's a great idea, especially if you're, like, trying to build an investment in a larger ongoing continuity that you want people to continually come to the theater to three to four times a year to get into like the MCU does. I'm curious if this would be successful in that kind of strategy. Or do this one on TV. I actually think that's another way this could work Mm -hmm. is if you did a season called it the brave and the bold, it would be funny considering the last show called the brave and the bold is very different than what they're pitching here, uh, which is a great Batman show, but it's a comedy Batman show. That's the one where the music Meister episode is right. Um, Great show. That's where Damian Bashir started doing it. And that's my like other favorite Batman voice other than Kevin Conroy. It's a good show. Um, But like, that would be like a big kind of like expensive HBO show. That would be really fun. And then if you wanted to do a movie where he crosses over with Superman, then you can do that. But then I think it would also be cl- one. I actually think this kind of story lends itself to TV better than movies. Yes. Cause as you said, it's a lot of stuff. And then, um, you would have a clear demarcation of Batman in movie theaters is Robert Pattinson. Batman on TV is whoever this will be. And everyone would be fine with that. You know, we had at one point there was going to be the flash on TV and the flash in movies. That never happened, but, you know, that wouldn't have been weird. So, yeah. Yeah, or the, I like the idea of just make it animated and then all of your crossover movies have a, are like Roger Rabbit. And it's just <laughs> Batman's just an animated character and nobody comments on it. It's just this is just the way it is and we just roll with it. It would make for a really fucking weird Justice League. Yep. Then we are getting uh, Booster Gold. HBO Max series, uh, Gunn said it's about a loser from the future who uses basic future technology to come back to today and pretend to be a superhero, Mm -hmm. a superhero story of imposter syndrome. I don't know a lot about Booster Gold. I know people love him and it's very funny. And this sounds like the kind of thing that would be right up James Gunn's alley. And and it makes sense why he would pitch it. That is a fun idea for a show. Yeah, yeah. Booster Gold is a fun character. If they're doing Blue Beetle, um, although I don't, I guess... I guess maybe Blue Beetle will continue just in this continuity. We'll see. Like Booster Gold and Blue Beetle are characters that have a lot of like interaction in the comics. So if they have both of those at the same time, that would be fun. But yeah, Booster Gold is a good character, and that like that kind of one sentence pitch is basically what he is in the comics, and it's a very good, it's a good idea for a character. Yeah. Then they are making a Supergirl movie called Woman of Tomorrow. It'll be based on Tom King's recent comics run from 2022. Um, that is, I guess, a more sort of gritty version that kind of emphasizes the difference between Superman and Supergirl, where Superman is raised on Earth, but Kara had uh, been raised uh, on this sort of, you know, rock. That's the generally that's the Supergirl origin story is that either she was like stuck in space or she was raised on like an asteroid piece of Krypton or something. But she comes to Earth later. Uh, and I guess this emphasizes that difference. Um, people were, enthu- I guess people who have read this comics run were enthusiastic. And I love the idea of doing a big budget Supergirl. She's a great character. Uh, so I was happy to see this. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I have not read this specific comics run, but I've read some of Tom King's stuff. I read some of his Batman stuff. He's a good writer. Supergirl's a cool character. Um, yeah. And finally, a Swamp Thing film, uh, which Gunn says will be a very dark horror story, totally outside the rest of the DCU, but will still tie into it. Uh, and I know everyone loves Swamp Thing, so there you go. Swamp Thing is awesome. That's There yeah. are so many great Swamp Thing comics, you know, including obviously the Alan Moore stuff, which is probably the most famous, but... Swamp Thing's a sick character. I I think you could make a cool movie out of Swamp Thing. I don't think I would want a Swamp Thing movie to have anything to do with other movie continuities at all. This, to me, would scream, make this an Elseworlds movie. But, hey, we have no idea what the fuck it means for 
this to tie in. Like I'll say, it is hard for me to imagine Swamp Thing in a meaningful way crossover with Supergirl, Booster Gold, um, HBO, Game of Thrones, the Amazons, um, Batman, The Authority, Green Lantern, and Superman. It's like Swamp Thing is pretty far outside the realm of all those other characters. He doesn't interact really with other superheroes much in the comics. So here's the thing. I think if you read between the lines on a lot of this, and and Gunn at the very end said his main goal is that he wants these to be sort of run by directors and writers with clear visions, wants to have that kind of front and center. And I think when you look at the lineup and you look at everything, my feeling is that this will be a linked universe and that everything will nominally take place in the same continuity. But it does not sound like the overwhelming emphasis is on crossover stuff. Like, they did not announce a Justice League here. They did not announce any crossovers between these things yet. And my feeling is that the Elseworld, because they didn't announce any new Elseworld stuff. I think the idea is the Elseworld stuff is the, from the holdovers, what they couldn't fit in, basically. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they plan on doing any more of that Elseworld stuff. My sense is that this is a unified continuity, but with a goal to have room for people to do different kinds of things. Clearly, because they're moving between animation and TV and different forms like this, I don't think the idea is to have it all sort of like look the same the way the Marvel stuff does. Um, and overall, I do like kind of what he's pitching here of that this is like you've got Batman and Superman and everything else is weird and kind of under the table and like other kinds of stuff and it's in sort of different formats and i think that's a cool idea i would honestly prefer just stop it with the interconnected continuity but when they went through all of this there wasn't a giant focus on and here's how this will connect to this and here's how this will connect to this other than it's all part of the same world and i'm totally fine with that i just you know there's a point where if if every one of these is setting up something else, then it becomes bad. But I like that this is a lot of individual things that don't... It doesn't... Like, Booster Gold, they can bring their Blue Beetle into it. It doesn't feel like that exists so that they can do more Blue Beetle or something else stuff, you know? Like, I don't know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier exists so you can eventually do Captain America 4 or something. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I think it's an interesting... I, I think, to be fair to everyone involved... James Gunn and Peter Safran came into an absolute goddamn shit show and were tasked with cleaning it up. And I like that there's at least some creativity here. I like that how many of these are based on direct comic runs that Gunn could tell you the like time period and author of. Th that's kind of neat. This does feel like there's maybe more ideas here than DC has had in a while in the sense that this is seems like people who actually know comics wanting to make some weird comic shit. Yeah, it definitely it's a it is definitely a much more confident central pitch than what we have had from them ever um, yes. for DC. But at the same time, it is like for me personally, like it is impossible for me to look at these and get excited about any of it because sure. it's like yeah. it's so abstract. It's so like we've been so burned by this stuff, um, not just DC, but Marvel as well. Like just like th this whole like the superhero stuff has been going on and been so popular for so long that like really I cannot get enthusiasm for anything other than if you show it to me and I can see something from it and it looks cool and good, then I can get excited. But like sure. you tell me yeah. you're making a superhero, a Superman movie. I'm like, okay, you tell me you make a Batman movie. Okay. The one thing I'm excited about here, I want to see Batman part two because Batman one was really good. I want to see the sequel to that movie because I knew that movie was good. Yeah. 
I, I mostly feel the same. I think I was surprised at how much of this sounded interesting. I like how off the beaten path a lot of it is. I think that's... Because that's been the best stuff that DC has made in the last mm -hmm. few years. Other than like the Batman, I guess we call it part one now. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the other best stuff has been where they've gotten sort of weird and off the beaten path. And DC has a lot of good nooks and crannies like that. Um but yeah, I'm so goddamn over Marvel, it's not even funny. So like, yeah, I'm burned the fuck out. But, you know, we'll see. This mm -hmm. It sounds like, you know, competent people who know what they're talking about are in charge. That is new. That is extremely new. Like they've, like it's worth saying, WB has been trying to do some kind of big DC thing since the late 80s with Batman and Tim Burton. And they just keep running into a fucking brick wall. And part of it is they've always had movie executives and executive executives, not like artistic producer types, but executives in charge making decisions based on very little knowledge of the audience, let alone the like source material. And this is sort of the first concerted effort to put people who know what they're talking about in charge. So that's nice. It took mm -hmm. a long time. We'll see where it goes with that. I still think it's weird that every time they make a successful standalone Batman movie, their instinct is to like change course wildly, whether that is go for Joel Schumacher or go for Batman v Superman or now go for an entire interconnected universe that is not related to the Matt Reeves movie that was a hit. But, you know, that's they they're DC going to DC. Yeah, it, yes. Yeah, it's it, it is it, it there it is a good redirect but there's still something about it that feels like it's DC <laughs> and that, and that yes. you got to really pick and choose which projects you're going to get excited about. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to talk about games of 2023? Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the games that maybe will come out in 2023. We, we will right. see the, this is, you know, cause I think, you know, people said when we we're coming into 2022, that's like, man, this year's going to be fucking crazy with video games because look at all the shit that got delayed out of 2021. And then 2022 was a pretty normal. I think like the Switch had an unusually large number of good games specifically. Um, but in general, it was a very like kind of normal year uh, because a lot of the games that got delayed out of 2021 to 2022. Well, the games that were going to be in 2022, they got moved to 2023. <laughs> yes. so we, we will see how many of these actually come out. Switch is always in its own camp, though, because Nintendo, in good times or in bad, has things in their back pocket that they are always able to release, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that that's just how they roll. But yes, let's talk about 2023. Uh, it, obviously, this is coming out the first week of February, but let's recap quickly some of the games from January that we're interested in playing. Obviously, I've played Fire Emblem Engage, and I'm loving it. The other three on my list that I'm going to catch up on at some point is I want to play One Piece Odyssey, which is the One Piece JRPG. It's like a Dragon Quest game, but with One Piece characters. That looks fun to me. I haven't... It came out like the same day as Fire Emblem, so I have not touched it yet. Mm -hmm. um, this was a surprise release on Xbox, but Hi-Fi Rush, yeah. which has been getting a ton of hype. I actually... It's on Game Pass. I have it on my Xbox. I have not had time to play it yet, but I will, and I'm looking forward to it. It is a big, like, rhythm game... Um, it looks like a Dreamcast game. It looks like Jet Set Radio kind of shit. It's a it's a rhythm action game. Yeah, it seems like uh, it's basically if you put rhythm mechanics into a Devil May Cry style right. um, character action game. Yeah, and who developed that? Because it was someone's uh, surprise. It's Tango. Right? It's Tango Gameworks. So it's yeah. like the Evil Within people. 
Right. We did not expect the Evil Within people to surprise drop this, but they did. Uh, and then there is the Dead Space remake, which has been getting rave reviews. And I never played Dead Space 1, but I want to play this because it sounds like it's great. So those are all on my list. January wound up being kind of a busy month. Yes, yeah. And I'm definitely planning on uh, booting up my Xbox Series S for the first time in a year. Uh, literally, <laughs> I have not turned that thing on in over a year um, to play uh, Hi-Fi Rush. And yes, and I definitely will also play the Dead Space remake because I played the original Dead Space. I never ended up playing the sequel for whatever reason, although people really like Dead Space 2. Um, but Dead Space Run is a great game, Jonathan. I think you would really like it because it's very Resident Evil 4-esque, um, yeah. but with like alien-style horror, um, space horror. So, And that remake seems awesome because it's not just a like perfect one-to-one -one remake. It's also they've kind of reimagine some of the structure of like the levels and stuff um that like apparently you know they took out all the loading screens and made it a totally seamless uh usg ishimura the ship that you're on um it seems like they did more than just convert the game over which is what i was looking for like a prettier version of dead space is cool but a reimagining of the original dead space with modern technology that's even cooler because it's also a next-gen exclusive. This is only yes. on PS5 and Series SX, uh, and then PC, obviously, but it is not on PS4 or anything. So that's pretty cool, too. We're getting more and more of those. Yep. Yeah. All right, looking forward to that. Uh, February, and, and I am not, you'll see on this list, I am not bothering with actual dates, because who the fuck knows? Things uh -huh. will slip. We just saw that, like, The Last of Us Part 1, the PC release, is slipping by, like, three weeks, which is totally fine and normal, but I'm not going to bother with actual dates here. We'll just say, here's what is planned for February. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy. You excited for that, Sean? Burn my fucking flesh off. I'd rather, I'd rather get immolated <laughs> than play this fucking game. All right, uh, turf time. All right, then you have Theat Rhythm Final Bar Line, which is the new Theat Rhythm Final Fantasy game. I do love that it does not have the title Final Fantasy in it. So if you go to the like eShop or something and search for Final Fantasy, thinking you're going to find the big Final Fantasy rhythm game, you will not. That feels like a slight failure of like search engine optimization. But I did actually download the demo for this. If you've played the other Theat Rhythm games, which was a series that started on the 3DS, they're like kind of a low budget rhythm game but the benefit of being low budget like they don't do remixes or anything it's just the tracks from all the final fantasy games the upside to that is there's like 400 songs in this one there's like all the tracks from all the final fantasies there's like seven there's crisis core there's crisis core remake there's seven remake they're all in there and you have fun chibi versions of the characters to do your rhythm game with uh i might pick this one up on sale at some point because i do love final fantasy music and i've enjoyed these a little bit in the past and the demo is is solid so there you yeah, go. I'm, I'm with you that this one is on my radar as well, because there's also like DLC stuff for non Final Fantasy music. So like Dragon Quest music, near Automata music and stuff yep. like that that's in there as well. So, yeah. Um, and this is one, by the way, I did look into the DLC because it's all again up for pre-order. There's like a hundred dollar digital deluxe that gives you everything. Um probably don't do that the like individual track packs are only like four dollars and then you can get exactly what you want because i mm -hmm. it's such a big range of series i doubt everyone will want everything but there you go um there is the remaster of tales of symphonia the classic gamecube game i know this one is like controversial among fans because i've heard like people don't think the art looks great i don't know enough about tales of symphonia to be able to judge that but it is uh, a game I've always wanted to play that I know people love, so we'll see. Yeah, this one is not really on my radar, but I played, I loved fucking Tales of Arise, so yeah, I might check that out. 
There is a game called Wild Hearts. This is in the EA Originals uh, sort of uh, brand, and it is by Omega Force, which is the company that's done a lot of the various um, Musou spinoff games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks interesting. It's kind of a big Monster Hunter sort of thing um, where you're using it, it also it's kind of like monster hunter and uh you know horizon or something where you're using sort of ancient tech to to hunt big monsters and stuff so that is there's a trial demo starting soon for that um but i don't know anything about it beyond that yeah i did not know that this was being published by ea that's really fucking weird because omega force is a part of koei tecmo right um so that there's yeah so i'm looking publisher electronic arts announced this partnership with omega force and its parent company koei tecmo okay so yeah, so it's some sort of like partnership with Koei Tecmo specifically to publish this game. That's weird. Yeah. So we'll see. I haven't heard a lot about it, but it could be cool. Omega Force, I really like Omega Force's um, games mm-hmm. when I, they're like their Musou spinoffs they do, but we'll see. Uh, one I know you're excited for, Sean, Like a Dragon Ishin. Yes. yes so the, tell us the, what this is. So this is the remake of uh, the PS4 launch game uh, that only came out in Japan. That is part of the Yakuza series. Now we call them Like a Dragon over here. Um, but Yakuza Ishin, Like a Dragon Ishin, Ryuga Gotoku Ishin, whichever title you want to try to know it by. Um, this is set during the Meiji era, uh, era in Japan, which is that period in the 19th century. That's that kind of like shift from the end of the Tokugawa shogunate into the more kind of modern democracy um, era Japan and stuff like that. Uh, and it's like, I know people love it in Japan. People think it's like one of the best Yakuza games. I actually own the Japanese version that I got on sale several years ago, and I've just never gotten around to playing it. Um, now that money has gone to waste because I'm going to just play the English language version because that just saves a lot of time for me. Um, but I'm very glad it's coming out. Also, it's not just a like, it's not just a remaster that they're kind of putting a coat of paint on and throwing it out. Like they rebuilt the game from the ground up. I think it's in the Unreal Engine now, if I remember correctly, that they're kind of using that to experiment with making something that's not in the Dragon. Yeah, it's in UE4 instead of the Dragon Engine, which I think is the first time they've moved off the Dragon Engine since they started using that with Yakuza 6. Um, So, yeah, I'm very interested in it. I'll play any Yakuza game, uh, but this one in particular is right up my fucking alley. It's like, it's the most interesting history period to me in Japanese history, so fucking give it to me. Please, yes, soon. I am. I am very excited for this one as well. I will try to play it. It's coming out the same day as Octopath Traveler Two, which is probably my priority as a Switch uh, JRPG obsessive. Um, but I want both of those. So yeah, also mention Octopath Traveler Two. Obviously, uh, Octopath Traveler Two, I should say, is actually coming to everything. It is not a Switch exclusive. It's on PlayStation and Xbox and Windows and all of that. And it is. Um, it's what it says on the tin. It's another Octopath Traveler game with another eight stories that intersect. It looks very, it looks absolutely fucking gorgeous. So I'm excited for that. Uh, you have Horizon Call of the Mountain, which is the PSVR 2 launch game, right? Yes. So that is, uh, I guess that's worth saying. The PSVR 2 is launching in February. I There was an interesting news story. They've cut their like production in half because there's been no pre-orders for it. Um, but that is coming out. So are you getting a PSVR 2 to play Horizon Call of the Mountain? No. Okay. Uh, also on Switch that month, we have Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe because there will be a Kirby game every spring until the sun burns out. Yes. This is a remake of the Wii game. Uh, it's actually kind of funny. This one in Japan, I think, is just called Kirby Wii. 
and this is so this is called Kirby Wii Deluxe in Japan, but it is in in the United States it was called Re- Kirby's Return to Dreamland. It is a side scrolling title. It was well received on the Wii when it came out. I don't know if people are super excited for this version. Um, I don't know where it kind of fits in the Kirby pantheon, but I generally like Kirby games. I, this will not be a day one pickup for me, but you know maybe on a I was gonna say on a sale down the road. Nintendo games don't go on sale. It's and true. finally, in, finally in February, we have Destiny 2 Lightfall. And I was like, all right, that's still happening. Completely impenetrable, but Destiny 2 does still exist. It, it is the game I so wish I could play. Like, I so desperately yep. <laughs> want to be able to play Destiny again, Jonathan, but it is impossible. It is just, it has been too long. Um, I just want them to make a Destiny 3, please, so that I can play Destiny again, because I cannot play that game anymore. I don't understand what's going on with it. Me too. All right, in March, we have, this is one I'm interested in, and yes. I know you are too, Wo Long Fallen Dynasty. Uh, tell us about that one, Sean, because you've yeah. played these people's yes. games. Um, this is from uh, Team Ninja, right? So it is a Neo-style game. They actually, they released a short demo when they originally announced this game, and there's going to be a second demo that comes out in late February. Um, it's like February 27th or something like that. They're going to put that out on uh, for free on PlayStation and Xbox. Uh, and so it's it's Neo-esque, right? You've got big open area maps. It's a third-person kind of character action game. Um, it's less um, intricate in terms of the combat than Neo. Um, and it's got some pretty different combat systems. So it feels like they're kind of taking the overall structure of Neo, which is kind of Dark Souls, but with action RPG loot put on top of it, um, but really kind of changing out with the way that the combat mechanics work um, to keep it fresh. So it's not just like a Neo 3 or something. Uh, and then it is also set during the Three Kingdoms era of China. So, but it is that with like big, crazy, evil monsters and shit like that. Um, I really enjoyed that demo. I'm extremely excited for the demo at the end of the month. It is a thing that if like, if you played and liked Neo, um, you should have Wolong Fallen Dynasty on your radar because it is very, very cool. Yeah, this looks awesome. We also have a game that I'm still not sure what it exactly is, but it is set to come out in March, Bayonetta Origins, Cereza and the Lost Demon, which is like a Bayonetta spinoff mm-hmm. uh, that is like a sort of a chibi-fied um, sort of fighting game kind of thing from um, Platinum Games. Cereza is a girl who I think you meet in, uh, she's like the younger Bayonetta mm-hmm. brought into the present timeline. I think she was a big character in Bayonetta 3, which I still have not caught up on. Uh, so that's interesting. This was announced at the Game Awards. Um, and yeah, a very different kind of game it looks like from the other Bayonettas, but there you go. Yeah, I, I did not pay much attention to that. I remember seeing the trailer and being like very surprised that it just didn't strike me as like a, if you're a huge fan of Bayonetta, you're obviously going and in, be into this like 2D puzzle game or whatever it looked like it was. It's just kind of a weird announcement. Yeah, we'll see what it is. Uh, there is Star Wars Jedi Survivor, also planned for March. This is the, or actually, didn't this get pushed? This got pushed, I think, since I wrote this. Yes, I think uh, this got pushed into April. Okay, so that probably will come out in April, because that's, like, one of your, like, small, we actually are almost done with this game. We're so close to being done, we know when we can actually have it finished. Um, yeah, so I would expect that will come out in April. But, yeah, it's currently uh, for April 28th is where they moved the date to. Okay, so that is the Jedi Fallen Order sequel, uh, the game that reminds us that technically the title of these games is not Star Wars colon Jedi Fallen Order, it is Star Wars Jedi colon Fallen Order, or in this case, Survivor. And yeah, the first game was great, 
looking forward to this one. Haven't seen much from it yet. I've kind of been avoiding trailers because I know I'm going to play it. So yeah, yeah, they've only really shown one trailer. It looks awesome. I actually um, replayed Jedi Fallen Order over winter break. Um, I kind of snuck that one in there. Um, and that game is an interesting game to replay because I actually think I kind of liked it less on replay in some ways because the flaws of it stood out a bit more to me. Also, they did not, they have not patched that game enough. Um, they got it better, but that game is, even on the PS5 version, that game still hitches in weird ways and has weird glitches, like the audio desyncs and shit like that. Um, so I'm glad that they've delayed this one because I, I want this game to actually come out in good shape because Fallen Order came out in a real rough state. But that, the thing with Jedi Fallen Order is it has like so much potential because it is pulling all these cool elements from very different genres, right? It's got all of your kind of almost Uncharted-esque kind of linear big action sequences. It's got your kind of Dark Souls-y combat with the uh, bonfire mechanics and stuff like that. But then it also is like much more Metroidvania-esque. And it doesn't, I think that original game really kind of tie all three of those major elements together perfectly but it like gets close enough that you can see it um and you can see how that could like really make an amazing game um and it gets close enough that that game is still very fun um and the story is good and stuff um so i'm very hopeful for the sequel that if they can kind of take the things that worked from that first game and um kind of get rid of the stuff that didn't work and kind of really shape up the overall structure of it i think it could be really good and most of the things they've said in some of the like interviews i saw because um, I was curious after I finished Jedi Fall in order to like look at what were they saying about this game. It, they're saying all the right stuff. They're putting like fast travel in it. There's going to be like mounts and stuff, which implies to me like more open, bigger areas, um, more different kind of options in the combat. Uh, it looks really cool. Yeah, I, I loved the first one. It was it was right up my alley. As you said, Sean, it was like Uncharted, Dark, Dark Souls and uh, Metroidvania sort of put in a blender with Star Wars. I love all four of those things, if you've never heard. So I like that one a lot. And yeah, any kind of refinement. If this is sort of your sort of like Mass Effect 2, Assassin's Creed 2, Horizon 2, you know, refinement sequel, that would be amazing. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that's like what that first game needs is that kind of sequel. And, and, I, and, you know, Respawn is such a good developer that I think they have it in them to do it. Yeah. Uh, also scheduled for March is Resident Evil 4 Remake. Uh, there's been more gameplay footage and stuff since we last talked about this, Sean, and I've gotten significantly more excited for this yeah. game because I think some of what, it just looks like a very, you know, high production value, you know, cool, faithful, but not too faithful remake to the original. Uh, the one thing that did, uh, destroy all my hope for it though, is from the recent Game Informer cover series where we learned it does not have the thing where you put Ashley in the dumpster anymore. They cut that out. And mm -hmm. so now I will be boycotting this game and I will be flying to Japan to attack Capcom's offices directly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that you can't put the president's daughter in the garbage. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, they just decided not to keep that in. Yeah, I think overall, I'm like you. I've uh, seen some of the stuff they've been putting out recently in the lead up to this game. It looks really good. Like, I'm much more excited about it now than I was when they first started talking about Resident Evil 4 Remake because it feels like they are willing to make bigger changes to it than I was afraid that they would. Um, and, it, and it seems like they're like really kind of taking their own approach with it, which is what they needed to do. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for it. I like, you know, we're, we're big Resident Evil people on this podcast. Um, and I think we're both a bit trepidatious about this remake, but everything they've been saying about it seems like the right idea for if you're going to do Resident Evil 4 remake, you got to make it different enough that it can kind of stand out on its own. 
Yeah, and this is one we will 100% be playing at the same yes. time and doing an episode on. We did our Resident Evil 4 episode last year. I am sure there will be a Resident Evil 4 remake episode. Um, you know, even even if it's like subpar, Resident Evil is always worth paying attention to because at the very least it's interesting. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Also in April, uh, we have a couple other little things. The Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection. I just call this out because I do like Capcom has been doing a lot of really good classic collections, uh, particularly of Mega Man. And now they've gotten around to the Battle Network series, which was a GBA and Nintendo DS group of games that people loved back in the day. I remember these a little bit. Uh, I didn't get that deep into them when I was a kid, but I like that they're putting these out. The Mega Man collections have been fantastic, kind of the gold standard for classic game re-releases, and I like that we're getting into the Game Boy and DS era because Nintendo mm-hmm. themselves aren't doing that. So thank you, Capcom, for doing that yourselves. Yeah, no, I I, I remember watching this cartoon. It was like a four kids show or something. Oh, um, right, there was, yeah. Yeah, and I, I really... I don't think I ever played any of the actual games, so this might be something I pick up because they always seemed really fucking cool. Yeah, so I like that that exists. Minecraft Legends, the next Minecraft spinoff. This one is... Um, I'm actually not sure what genre Minecraft Legends is because there was Minecraft Dungeons, which was basically Diablo, and I liked that one a lot. Minecraft Legends is... Um, is, this more thing, of, is it a, like a real-time strategy game, I want to say? action, Yeah, action strategy game is what they're calling it. It's developed by Blackbird Interactive. Um, I don't know what else they've done. But yeah, it's uh, uh, core mechanics inspired by action games explored with a third-person perspective. We'll see. I Again, I've liked the different Minecraft spinoffs, so we'll see what the heck this is. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm having like a very vague memory of seeing a trailer for this, and I'm pretty sure it's basically like a real-time strategy game with Minecraft stuff, which makes sense. Like, honestly, that makes a lot more sense to me than an action role-playing game, which is what they did with the last one, which is like a yes. Diablo-esque game um, where it's like you don't build anything in Diablo games, but you do build shit in real-time strategy. So, yeah, that's that's a cool idea. Yeah. Finally, in April, we have Dead Island 2. Wasn't Dead Island 1, like, a game from forever ago? What the Dead fuck Island is Dead 2 Island 2 has been in development for a thousand years like this game i want to say they first announced it in something like 2014 2014. yeah Yeah. i'm looking at it right now 2014 by jaeger development removed from 2015 replaced by sumo digital sumo digital was removed replaced with damn buster who started in 2019 yeah what was dead island one that was like a 360 game right so um Yes, because Dead Island 1 came out in 2011. I'm looking at the Dead Island 2 Wikipedia now. Um, And if you remember, um, you know the Dying Light games? Like, they've made Dying Light 1 and Dying Light 2. Those are, like, really the sequels to Dead Island. So it was, like, a first-person shooter that was, like, a kind of a semi-open-world zombie game um, that was mostly focused on first-person combat. Um, And so that's what that was. And they kind of... um, That's what the developers of that game really, like, went and made the Dying Light series. Um, and so Dead Island 2 got caught in this whole weird thing where like a bunch of people got laid off at the developer Deep Silver and all this shit happened. And now like for this game, Deep Silver isn't even the developer anymore. It's this Dan Buster Studios thing, which I don't even know what that is. The thing I remember about Dead Island 2 was in the original announcement trailer in like 2014. This is a, such a weird detail for me to remember, but there was a character in that trailer that s- was not voiced by Jack Black, but so much sounded like he was voiced by Jack Black <laughs> that after the trailer came out, there were a bunch of articles being like, is that Jack Black in the Dead Island 2 trailer? It's like, I think it is, but it's probably not. And then it wasn't. Um, and that's like the only thing I remember specifically about this and that the game just like 
never fucking came out. It was just in development forever. Um, and, you know, if this thing actually comes out on its projected release date, it will be 12 years since the original Dead Island. What the fuck? All right. Well, there you go. Is, do you think there's still an audience for it? No. I mean, the only thing okay. people remember Dead Island 1 for is that was the game that had that really crazy trailer that was, like, incredibly emotional where a girl turns into a zombie and attacks her dad or whatever. They I remember the this now. Yeah, God, that's, that's like, a blast from the past. That's what people remember Dead Island for. Um, so I don't know what putting out a sequel to that game does for you in 2023. Oh boy. All right. Well, that's April. May, we have the new game from Arcane Studios, Redfall. Is this another weird time travel kind of thingy from them, or is it different? I feel like I don't fully understand what this game is. I didn't watch all of the thing they showed at whatever the most recent Microsoft show was a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it's like, it's a co-op game, but you can play it single player, but it is always online. And it's like, you're fighting vampires, um, yes, it, it, it seemed like my initial impressions of it that it seemed like Arcane making a Left 4 Dead game. But what I've heard is that like that's not quite right, and that's not really the kind of co-op game it is. Um, so I don't have a great idea really of what Redfall is. But none of the trailers I saw really grabbed my attention. Even though I do like Dishonored and I like um, Deathloop, fine. Even though I think that game, you know, kind of ended up not being as good as it could have been. Um, so I'm curious about Redfall. I like Arcane stuff, but for whatever reason, all the trailers for this have just not piqued my interest for this game. Yeah, this is Arcane Austin. Deathloop was Arcane Leon. Yes. The Austin branch, I think the last major thing they did was the, uh, like, was it Prey? Prey, I think. Yeah. Yes. Um, was the last one that they were the lead developer on. So, yeah, I've heard, it seems like people are of two minds about this one, because it looks like it could be very service gamey. Um, but we'll mm -hmm. see. Yeah. yeah, and that's does not gel particularly well with like Arcane's stuff. Like the idea of a co-op Arcane game just didn't even make sense to me. So I think that's one of the reasons why it just really didn't it has not grabbed my attention. Speaking of games that look like they shouldn't exist, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, scheduled for May. One, do you think that's actually coming out in May or is that facing a just ginormous delay? I feel like that's gonna get delayed. Like we haven't seen fucking jack shit from that game. Like, yeah. we, I mean, we've seen, we know that it's some sort of, like, third-person shooter. I think we know that it is a live service game, but not because they've shown that, but there were, like, leaks that showed the menus and stuff that showed that it was like, oh, this is going to be more of a almost Marvel's Avengers-esque kind of thing than you expect. Um, and it is, it's just, you know, the game could be good, we don't know, but it is, for me so far the biggest disappointment of like the last 10 years of games is that Rocksteady went from making the Batman Arkham games. And then you're like, what are they going to make next? What are they going to make next? And then it's fucking this. And it is just like the most unpleasant, unappealing pitch for a video game. I've seen it fucking forever. Uh, I just, yeah, I hate that they are making this game. It looks awful. Uh, so I think may is going to belong to legend of Zelda tears of the kingdom, which is the big sequel to breath of the wild. Uh, this game has been actually dated by Nintendo for a specific day in May, so it will come out. Nintendo games sometimes miss, like, a year, but I've never seen Nintendo put an actual fucking pre-order date on a game and slip from that. So I assume this game is actually done. Um, but yeah, they, we have not seen a lot from it. They've definitely kind of... I assume there will be a big Nintendo Direct soon about it, but this is the Breath of the Wild sequel um, that has been in development so long that I imagine it has probably ballooned from the original plan which was more of a 
Majora's Mask-esque sequel reusing pieces of the original. Uh, we know there's an entire Sky world in it, and it's kind of taking some mechanics from Skyward Sword there. But hey, uh, Breath of the Wild, one of the two or three most acclaimed games of the last 10 years. So this will be a big game for this year. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not as confident that it will hit that date as you. We'll see. Um, you know, I think if that um, VR Horizon game gets pushed into May, then we know it will come out then. Because Horizon <laughs> is doomed to come out next to whatever is going to be like the most award-winning game of the year. Um, so it's like if that happens, like, because if it doesn't, then I just have to assume that like Dragon Ishin is going to be the game of the year for everybody um, because that's coming out right at the same time as Horizon Called Mountain. So, yeah, um, I, I'm just saying, like, I, I genuinely... I know this game has been in development for a long time. Nintendo, when they put an actual date on a game and like put it up for pre-order in the eShop, I've ne the only time I know of that not happening is the remake of the Advance Wars games that got pulled because mm -hmm. of the Ukraine invasion. But that was a... I don't think Legend of Zelda will be delayed because of a Ukraine invasion. So we'll see. Well, what if, what if our new king of the United Kingdoms dies like in april and they're just like well fuck god damn we gotta we gotta we can't put it out it's just it's too insensitive what if that's what happens uh do you really think anyone cares that much about I, uh, elizabeth ii totally understand charles iii i don't think that kind of institutional love exists that would stop this from being announced do you know they i it's that's what i agree i agree with that but i don't know how nintendo <laughs> thinks nobody does how all nintendo right thinks. that that is true but that is may 12th June is three games that may or may not come out in June, but if they do, this will be the biggest fucking June of all time. Mm -hmm. You have Street Fighter VI, yeah. Diablo IV, okay. and Final Fantasy XVI yeah. all planned for June. And I'm looking forward to all of those. They all uh, Diablo has been tainted a little bit by um, Blizzard issues, but in the abstract, looks good. And obviously, Street Fighter VI looks great, and this is the best Final Fantasy has looked in forever. Man, I'm excited for these. Yes, yeah, I, I'm with you that Diablo 4 is a little bit of a question mark for me, partially for that Blizzard stuff, and also the last time they showed that game, they leaned too much on talking about, like, it's an open-world Diablo and, and stuff like that that may be a little bit more skittish, because th that didn't jump yeah. out to me as, like, a great idea. Um, but Street Fighter Six, I am extremely excited for. That game, every time they show that game, it just looks so good. It seems so, like, fully featured and rich with content. Um, I'm... Just I'm I'm very excited to be able to be excited about a Street Fighter game, and then yeah, Final Fantasy yes. 16 has had some of the coolest fucking video game trailers of the past two or three years. Um, every and its pedigree is yeah, it's it's a single player Final Fantasy made by the Final Fantasy 14 team. I can't imagine a better pitch for a Final Fantasy at this point, given how good 14 is and how good that team is. So this looks great. Yeah, and it's basically just you know clearly based on the trailers, it's just the plot of Naruto. So that's that's you know three great <laughs> things that go, go great together. I keep telling you, we're going to have to do a Naruto season of Japanimation Station. And you're like, I don't know, might be too many episodes. And then you keep bringing it up for everything. And I just repeat my point. If you're going to compare everything to Naruto, at some point, we're going to have to review Naruto. I, I'm not going out of my way to compare everything to Naruto. It's not my fault that people keep on making stuff that's weirdly <laughs> like Naruto, okay? All right. And that's the end of what we have, like, dates for. Um... Everything else is just games that have said they're coming out this year. We'll talk about those in a second. But for the first six months of 2023, what do you think is most likely from this list to get delayed? Oh, most likely to get delayed, um, I think Redfall. Uh, no, it's most likely a Suicide Squad. Suicide yes. Squad is easily the most likely to get delayed. I think Redfall is fairly 
possible. Um, I also think Zelda is not as much of a shoe in as you're saying. Like, I think it probably will come out, but I would not be shocked if it was delayed. Um, and then, yeah, I think all three of those June ones, I would not be surprised if any of those games got, got delayed yeah. to the fall. Um, you know, I think anything that's coming out, like, up to March and April, I'm pretty sure that those are going to hit those dates. Um, or if, if anything, you know, something might get pushed out of, like, February into the end of March or something at the last second. Like, that's possible for one of those, but... Um, yeah. yeah, I think we are looking at those May releases, those June releases. That's that window for that might just get pushed across the summer into the fall. Yeah. You know, Star Wars got that little bump. I think that's always possible with like Resident Evil 4. Of the June games, I think Final Fantasy is the one most likely to hit that date because if you see there, we've had a lot of like interviews with the developers and that game was pretty far in development by the mm -hmm. time it was announced. Like they've been at the polishing stages of that for a while. It seems like they're pretty confident on that one. Um, Street Fighter Six, I think could get pushed. I think that's one that they're probably in no, like it'll come out when it's ready. Cause it's going to be a game yeah. that's going to live for they a long time. They have done like three or four waves of betas though for Street Fighter yeah. Six at this point. So I feel like that game is probably fairly locked in because of that. Yeah. I think Diablo 4, I, I would predict that will get delayed out of June. I kind of yeah. think that one's going to need extra time in the oven, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, but if I right. had to put money on a game that, like, I bet probably will be pushed, it's Suicide Squad. Yes, yeah. I don't think that's coming out. Are you? Also, I just also feel like you're going to have to be really fucking confident in your game to put it out in May next to Zelda. That's kind of yes. my, <laughs> my view. That is going to probably be the highest selling game of this year. I mean, like... Just good God, when you look at what Breath of the Wild did and how many Switches are in the wild now and everything, like, that's going to be a, a big... It's also going to eat up all of the online conversation. Like, mm -hmm. again, that is as anticipated a game as exists. But anyway, good first half of the year, though. I'm excited for a lot of stuff. Yes. Now let's go through alpha, sort of alphabetically, some of these things I threw in at different times. But this is what has been projected for the rest of 2023. Uh, a game we have not heard about in forever... Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Avatar 2 turned out to be pretty much every bit as big a hit as Avatar 1, uh, which means that you would think you'd want to capitalize on it with a video game, but this is the Ubisoft game that we have not heard a fucking peep about in years. Well, this is a Ubisoft game, Jonathan. I don't know if you right. noticed, but Ubisoft is kind of completely <laughs> fucking on fire. This is something we didn't talk about on the podcast. Um, That's true. But it's, yeah, Ubisoft had it, some of its like financial stuff come out recently, and they had, they, I mean, they basically had almost no big release in the entirety of 2022. I mean, it just kind of felt like Ubisoft fell off the fucking map. They they canceled a bunch of internal games that have gone unannounced. They delayed Skull and Bones again. Skull and Bones would have been on this list. Um, yeah, I, I didn't even man it bother to put it on here. That game is vaporware at this point. It might come out. It might not. It's been in development for over 10 years. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's so like like Ubisoft as a company is in like somewhat dire straits at this point. Uh, it just feels like they can't put out a game. Um, and, you know, I think Avatar Frontiers of Pandora is in that same boat of where like they the only thing we know about this game is when they announced it. Like they announced it a year or two ago with a trailer that didn't show anything about the game. Um, so... You know, it's possible that they're just playing, you know, waiting to sort of play their cards once they get closer to the fall, which is the only time this would possibly come out. Um, since it hasn't, anything more has been announced yet, it would have to be the fall. Um, but I I do not think that game comes out this year. I think there's any way that game would come out this year if we have not seen actual gameplay of it yet. Um, 
yeah, this it, is a it's a movie tie-in <laughs> game. Nobody makes movie tie-in games for this exact reason. It's the reason why when James Gunn said his thing about for the DCU that like, oh, we want to have games be in the same continuity. It's like, don't don't bother, because by the time that game comes out, you will have been like two chapters of movies away from when you thought right. that game would have been released. Um, it's just the the release date for games and movies. It's too out of the sync because the production timelines for those two kinds of projects are too out of sync to do it um particularly now and it gets more out of sync as time goes on um so by the time avatar frontiers of pandora comes out we'll be closer to the release of fucking avatar 3 than we were to the release of avatar 2 yeah and i'm honestly at this point just wait right like you huh. would want to capitalize on the release of an avatar movie wait for three it's not that far off <laughs> that's next year so anyway all right uh how likely do you think it is that ubisoft gets bought by someone this year uh I think it's it's certainly possible, you know. It's, yeah. I don't want it to happen because it's like we're, we're we're really running out of third party publishers. Uh, so, but I don't know how yeah. they survive as a standalone at this point. Honestly, like they need someone to kind of come in, clean house, refocus. It's they're falling apart. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's really. It's yeah, it's like really upsetting what's happening to that company, but it, but it's all self inflicted, you know. I mean, because yes. all of this, like a lot of it, started when all that came out about like the just the institutional rot at ubisoft and a lot of people left the company which is almost certainly one of the major reasons like the combination of that and covid is almost certainly why they've struggled putting out games in the past couple of years um but it, yeah but it's but it's still like it's such a big company that has such a huge legacy in video games it sucks to see it have to crumble but it's like well you have no one to blame but yourselves in terms of the executives at the company yeah all right, uh, Baldur's Gate 3 has been in early access for a couple years. They are projecting to put it into the full, like, 1.0 this year. Um, I I haven't heard, I feel like, a ton about it since it went into early access. Are people enjoying Baldur's Gate 3? I know that developer is beloved for, like, Divinity Original Sin 2 and yeah. stuff like that. But I mean, I've yeah, I have not heard anything about it in forever. I remember, like, when it first went to early access, I heard a bunch of good stuff about it. Um, but, yeah, I have not really heard people talking about it since then. Yeah, I mean, I assume there will be a big push when it gets its, like, full official mm -hmm. release this year. And I assume it will come out in that full official release, because it's been in the world for a couple of years now, uh, since 2020, actually. But it is projected for August 2023 as the, the full version. Um, it was also supposed to have a Stadia version, Sean. <laughs> that got canceled. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Mina the Hollower. I'm looking forward to that one. That is the new game by Yacht Club. That is uh, the people who made Shovel Knight. This is the one that sort uh, of is made to look like a Game Boy Color game. Uh, I, I kickstarted this game. And that is, I, I know that development is going smoothly because I get the developer updates. And it looks like, uh, looks very good. I'm excited for that. Alan Wake 2. I know you're looking forward to this one, Sean. Tell us, because there's been a whole journey to get to Alan Wake 2, right? Yeah, because this is Remedy, right? So they Alan Wake 1 is an old-ass game at this point. I mean, that's an Xbox 360 game um, that they then made like an Xbox Live arcade-only sequel to called Alan Wake American Nightmare. Um, and then Alan Wake 2 was in some sort of development hell for a long time. Eventually, Remedy shifted gears onto Control, which came out a few years ago, and that game is fucking great. One of the best games of its release, um, the year of its release. Uh, and then after that, they did a DLC for Control that kind of ties it into some of the Alan Wake stuff, the AWE, the Alan Wake expansion. Um, and it, that was a really cool story. Even as someone who didn't play Alan Wake, I still thought that, that it was cool what they did with that expansion. 
Um, and yeah, and then they announced Alan Wake 2 because Control sell fucking gangbusters. And it looks really cool. It sounds like they're trying to make it more of a a more intense horror style game than what I understand Alan Wake 1 is. They also put out an Alan Wake remastered, I think, last year that I have not played yet. That I'll probably wait to pick up closer to Alan Wake 2's release and play through that. Um, because Remedy is cool. They're a cool developer. Control kicked ass. I know Alan Wake is one of those kind of like cult classic 360 games I always meant to play but never got around to. Um, and it's one of those that I know people have been who love Alan Wake have been chomping at the bit for the proper full sequel to that game for fucking ever. So it is awesome that it seems like they're finally making it. And it's one of those like, you know, 10, 15 years later sequels that's actually being made by the same people, which is so rare uh, because there has been a continuity at Remedy from that to Control to this. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I also am planning to play the Alan Wake remaster at some point. So this looks cool. I'm glad. I'm just glad to see Remedy's success because Mm -hmm. I haven't even played Control, but I know people love it. And I know it's just a cool, big, original game that like was a word of mouth hit. More of that, please. That's awesome. Yes, 100%. Uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage. Basically everything we said about Avatar, Ubisoft's <laughs> on fire. This one is supposed to be smaller. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe not. We'll yeah, see. For people who don't remember, this is the one that's supposed to be kind of like a throwback to the old, older Assassin's Creed style games. So it's like, you know, it's it's more likely to hit its release date than their like insane, <laughs> here's the thousand hour long Assassin's Creed mega RPGs they've put like three or four of out. Um, so, yes. you know, I, I bet they're like very glad that they made the decision to shift to to that for this game. It's like, oh, let's like try to do a more manageable size um, right as the yeah. company's starting to fall to pieces. I mean, they're taking pre-orders for this one. It's a cheaper game. It's priced at $50 instead of 70 uh, it's, but it still has no date. It's just sometime this year. Mm-hmm. Like on Amazon, it says December thirty first. Who knows? I would love for someone to eventually release a actually release a big game on December thirty uh-huh. first, just to make everyone confused about Amazon's weird pre order date thing. All right, um, FromSoft is planning Armored Core six, the triumphant return of Armored Core. I never played any of those back in the day, but this is this was what FromSoft was best known for before. Uh, Dark Souls, and yep. now we're getting a, a new one for the new consoles, and it's the first one since 2013. Yeah, I'm I like you. I've never played any of the Armored Core games. I know that they're very popular. Obviously, we are up on our mech shit. I mean, I say very popular, very popular within that kind of more niche market of mecha games that kind of don't exist really much anymore. Um, I I'm I very much would like to play a mecha game made by From Software, even if I know that it's not necessarily a Dark Souls style game. Um, like I'm not going into it thinking that, like, I just want to, yeah, I, I want to, I just want to play a fucking, a, a nice big budget mech game, um, like made by almost anybody. Uh, but particularly if you're saying from software is making it, I will show up for that. Two other observations. The director on this is Masaru Yamamura, who was the lead game designer on Sekiro. Mm-hmm. So that's a cool pedigree. I love that. Uh, and then the full title of this game is Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon. It is that title in Japanese as well. That is the most Japanese-ask English title ever. Fires of Rubicon. I love it. It's got a sick poster too. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this. No date, um, but yeah, this looks great. Oh yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I clicked on the Wikipedia page and I'm seeing that image. And that is a... I don't know if that's actually what the box art is going to be necessarily, but that is fucking metal as shit. Yes. So Fires of Rubicon. Now, God, that title kicks ass. Now I'm really yeah. excited. All right, we have, uh, here's an interesting one. We've got um, 
Two Suikoden-related things. Classic JRPG. There's going to be a Suikoden 1 and 2 remaster this year uh, that looks great. We've, I, we talked about that when it was announced. That's very exciting because those games are beloved PlayStation classics. Uh, and then we are also getting Ayuden Chronicle, which is the new game from the creators of Suikoden that was kickstarted and is basically um, sort of in the style of, of Suikoden. So both of those are scheduled for this year. Ayuden Chronicle has been in development for a long time. Um, we'll see if it actually hits that date, but it is scheduled for this year. Yeah, Ayuden Chronicle is one of those games that like, I keep on thinking has already come out because we've been hearing about yeah. it forever, but... Yeah, so, uh, but it's, you know, it's sort of an independent, developedly, uh, independently developed game. Then you've got uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which is the remake part two of Final Fantasy VII. Square Enix has said it's this year. I don't think it's this year, no. but... I I saw this with, on your lineup, um, and I was like, there's no fucking way. There's no way this comes out this year. Um, I Yeah, I would be shocked. They don't I also don't know why they year. would. They've, they've already got Final Fantasy XVI. Like, why... Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Sp- spread the love, man. It's like you don't need to put <laughs> your two big, big Final Fantasy games out in the same year. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for this almost entirely on the back of like, it's going to be a next gen exclusive. So like, yes. that's like enticing, you know, even I have. And I'm curious what the fuck you do. Um, I'm curious if it will be. There's I think there's a lot of people who think that it's going to be a big departure because of what happens at the end of the Final Fantasy VII Remake 1, that my pet theory is that it's not going to be that different. Um, and it's going to be very yeah. s- a similar approach that Final Fantasy VII Remake 1 made just to the middle section of Final Fantasy VII. Um, but we will see. We'll see, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to it either way when it, when it mm-hmm. comes, but I do not think that is a 2023 game. No. Uh, Xbox has... F- Xbox, completely unable to release a uh, exclusive so far this generation, has Forza Motorsport number question mark because they've only called it Forza, Mo- Forza Motorsport. The last mainline Forza Motorsport was seven in 2017, so six fucking years ago now. Uh, and they've had Forza Horizon obviously since then. They've had four and five. And Forza is still obviously very popular, but this is the actual return to Forza Motorsport. I, maybe this is like a reboot and they're just calling it Forza Motorsport. We'll see. They've done this before, though, where they've announced like Halo and then eventually it is actually uh-huh. called Halo 5. So we'll see. Um, but that is scheduled for at some point this year. I'm sure it will look very nice. Forza Horizon 5 looked very nice. So yeah. we'll see. Wikipedia says that this is supposed to come out Q1, Q2, and that's obviously not happening. No. Um, I feel like it it, would be if it comes out this yeah. year, yeah, it'll be this fall. Um, it'll probably come out this year. I would be surprised... Um, if it is that far behind in development, but yeah, we'll see. Nothing uh, would shock me for a video game yeah. that does not have an actual release date. It, you know, who knows? It could come out fucking five years from now. You know, they're just putting out Dead Island 2 now, Jonathan. <laughs> it is forces in an interesting place, though, where I think Horizon really eclipsed the main mm-hmm. series in terms of popularity and i think for good reason forza horizon is what you go play to have a good time motorsport is much more of an actual racing sim very arcadey in that sense and i think it has a much more limited appeal so i wonder if they're kind of redesigning what these are because i remember seven was the first one that came out after horizon 3 and horizon 3 was one of the first big xbox one games that broke out for people broke out for me um, and then I think a lot of people tried out seven and were kind of disappointed because it's not big open world. It's not silly fun. It's, it's pure racing. And I'm wondering if they're going to shift that up a little bit to maybe make it more appealing, but we haven't seen a lot from it yet. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Hollow Knight is getting its sequel, Hollow Knight Silk Song. This is one I had to double check hadn't come out already because it's been in development forever. Yeah. But people love Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight has come out on everything. I know I should play it. People tell me to play it all the time because it's a big Metroidvania. But this will probably be uh, one of the better games of the year given its pedigree. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very much in the same boat with that one. Yeah. Uh, we have another Like a Dragon planned for this year, Sean, with the Like a Dragon Gaiden, or side story, the man who erased his name. Do you want to remind us what this is? Yeah, so this is supposed to be set between the events of Yakuza 6 and Yakuza 7, um, and this Kiryu's kind of like, what happens to Kiryu that bridge that gap between where you see him at the end of Yakuza 6, and then when he pops up as kind of a supporting character in a couple places in Yakuza 7, they released that very awesome uh, trailer that was basically just like, a three-minute cutscene from a Yakuza game of Kiryu at like some sort of Buddhist temple meditating, um, and, and some dude like comes in, interrupts him about some sort of like mission he needs to now go on. Um, it looks awesome. Like I think it seems like, as the name suggests, Gaiden. I suspect that is a smaller scale sort of Yakuza thing. Um, but I'm I will take any Yakuza games, please. Thank you. <laughs> that is that's our official policy here. Yes. Um, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, the full big sequel to the uh, 2017 Spider-Man game by Insomniac. Of course, we had the Miles Morales game as a PS5 launch title. This will be a PS5 exclusive. They've said 2023. Um, if, boy, if, it's, if it misses 2023, that would be a problem for PlayStation because that is their big exclusive mm-hmm. this year. Um, so I suspect it will come out one way or another. But uh, obviously, we're very excited for it. Those games kick ass. Yeah, I bet it will make this year mostly like it being made by Insomniac is what makes me confident on that because they are very efficient with their development yes. process. Um, yeah, and as you say, it is like it is the big Sony exclusive. I bet Sony has something smaller also lined up this year that we probably don't know about yet. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very excited. I'm sure that we will like probably around the summer get a big blowout. Like, I think the thing that we've seen in since, like, the PS5 now is that Sony has really shifted to waiting to get a lot closer. Like, this happened with God of War as well, where they didn't really show much of that game until a few months out from its release. Um, and I suspect that's what we're going to see with this as well. So I guess around the summer is when they're actually going to talk a lot about Marvel Spider-Man 2. Yeah. So, but I'm, you know, those games are two of the best games on the PlayStation yeah. so far, and... It, the getting the full sequel where we're bringing Miles and Peter into the same game, man, I'm I'm psyched. This is going to be another good year for Spider-Man because one of the movies I'm most excited for this year is the Spider-Verse sequel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good Spider-Man year. Um, all right, Pikmin 4. Shigeru Miyamoto making it happen. He is the biggest Pikmin fan on Earth, and so he makes Nintendo make Pikmin games. I don't know if... I, I was going to say I don't know if anyone else cares. I know other people care. Pikmin is beloved by a certain sect of the fandom. And we'll see. You know, the Nintendo Switch has made a lot of series that were previously pretty niche, pretty fucking big. Will it happen for Pikmin? We'll see. Probably not, but we will see. Like, I like Pikmin, <laughs> but I don't think... I, it's hard for me to imagine it being, like, a big mainstream hit. Um, you know? But, like, what if... Uh, Okay, but a small success for Nintendo Switch would still be like 5 to 10 million copies, and a Pikmin game selling like that would be absolutely insane. <laughs> yes, that would be insane. That's not going to happen, though. It could. You never know. Uh, all right, Stalker 2, Heart of Chernobyl. Announced for a while now, pushed a couple of times, but uh, very anticipated. Sequel to Stalker. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, this developer is based out of the Ukraine, so... Yes, um, so that's why that it's is, been... That is why, like, this game... Yeah, has been delayed a bunch. So, 
Uh, like this is they, when I... they have it was scheduled for December uh, of 2022. Um, the developers have said uh, on their Discord that they are continuing. They are able to still work on it. Uh, and that they are planning 2023. It is a next-gen exclusive. It's for Xbox and Windows. Um, but yeah, I would say because of they are Ukrainian-based, everything on this is sort of up in the air. Um, but, you know, best of luck to everyone involved. Yeah. I mean, you know, Stalker Shadows of Chernobyl is like an amazing, amazing game. So I hope, you know, that that sequel gets to come out. I hope all the developers are safe. Um, I hope it's a good game. Everything we've seen from it looks amazing, mm-hmm. by the way. I haven't even played Stalker 1, but this was like one of the best game demos we saw from Xbox whenever, at whichever E3 it was they did the event on yes. this. It looked really good. Yeah. Um, the Wolf Among Us 2. Are you excited for that, Sean? Telltale, the rotted fucking yeah. corpse of the Telltale making another Wolf Among Us. Yeah, I feel like I just don't even know what the situation with telltale is anymore like the whole sordid tale of telltale being killed and then bought and like resurrected appropriately like the walking dead is on the fight corpse um and it's weird that they're making a sequel to the wolf among us which is a 10 year old game now yes which is a crazy that makes me feel fucking ancient that the wolf among us one came out 10 fucking years ago but it makes sense um that i think that game came out on 360 originally so um yeah i you know I I the only Telltale game I ever played was The Walking Dead season one, and I thought it was okay and didn't like it as much as most people. So, Wolf Among Us two was in development by Telltale for years uh, before its closure, and apparently the new one, which is really being made by a studio called Ad Hoc Studio, um, which was made by former Telltale staff, uh, is they started from scratch. It is not using any of the work from the old version, but. Yeah, we'll see. I, I know people did like Wolf Among Us. That has yes. a passionate fan base and more power to them. I just think the whole... There is nothing more outdated in the world than the Telltale video game format. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. Uh, and finally, the big one, Sean. Bethesda's return? Starfield? Their first non-Fallout project in since fucking 2010 or something? Yeah. Uh, Starfield, do you think it actually comes out this year? Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) I think it was. Wasn't it supposed to come out last year? Yeah, it was going to come out. I mean, that's part of the thing. That's what happened to Xbox. Last year, Redfall and Starfield were both supposed to come out in the fall, and they both got pushed. Um, that is why yes. Xbox was just left like holding the shit like bag or whatever. It's like, well, shit, <laughs> all of our games left this year. Um, you know, they had a couple of smaller releases like Pentiment and then obviously now like Hi-Fi Rush right at the beginning of this year. Um, but all their like big, big marquee titles just sort of ran away from 2022. Um, you know, I think Starfield will probably come out this year, but it is. But I am not. 100% confident that Starfield will come out this year. And I don't think Xbox is 100% confident Starfield is coming out this year or they would have had given it a date by this point. Um, so, yeah, if it comes out this year, it's going to be in the fall. I know that they, they like, aimed it for, like, Q1, Q2, but it's definitely going to be a fall title if it comes out this year. And, yeah, this is the this is Bethesda Game Studios' first non-Fallout since Skyrim in 2011. Yeah. It's just extra crazy. Uh, you know, what we've seen of it so far, honestly, looks like a game from 2011. I, Bethesda has never really changed up their thing. I think it's a pretty creaky game format. We'll see. 
I don't, I'm not going to play it. I don't care. I don't really like their games, but we'll see what it does. It does, will this set the world on fire like, uh, like Skyrim? Who knows? Yeah, it we'll see. But you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm open to the idea of potentially playing Starfield if it gets good reviews and like, it seems interesting. You know, I, I own it, it'll be on Game Pass. Pass. So I guess yeah. I should say I won't. It, it's, I could wind up playing it because I have Game Pass and I won't have to pay extra money for it. So we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, but I, Again, I'm not 100% confident it will come out this year, but it will probably come out this year. Yes. Uh, but, you know, Xbox, they're having some trouble. Microsoft, a lot of layoffs. Halo, apparently, just, I don't know. Dude, Halo has is a bloated corpse yep. floating on the ocean, and they're refusing to put it out of its misery. That's pretty sad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they just had those that massive round of layoffs that hit all of Microsoft, but also hit Xbox, um, including 90 developers, I think it was, out of 343, which is yes. a fucking lot. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a weird situation with Xbox's stuff. You know, like the the acquisition for Activision is still um, being sort of passed around by um, various government agencies for approval, so that has not gone through yet. Um, I'm yeah, I'm very curious what this year is going to look like for Xbox specifically. Like, I think assuming that Spider-Man comes out, it'll be a good year for Sony. Like, assume, like Zelda will come out this year. I think it might get pushed a little bit from May, possibly. Um, but it's going to be a good year for Nintendo. It's like the question is, will Microsoft be able to land the games that it is, says it's going to come out this year? Um, and that's I'm I'm not sure on. Historically, they haven't. It's. I mean, when was the last time Microsoft had a good year? Oh, for like first party stuff. I mean, you know, it'd I be mean, like the 360, right? Like it, it's, it has not happened in the Xbox yeah. One or Series X era, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, they'll have like every other year or so they'll have like their big game that really hits, like Forza Horizon Five. Um, but yeah, um, in terms of a one year where they get a couple of big releases. It's probably not been th- since the 360 days. I mean, weirdly, actually, like the early Xbox One period, this is something I was thinking about the other day. Like, while I don't think it had a lot of games that people like really loved, the first couple of years of the Xbox One had a lot of exclusives, like a lot more, a lot more than they've had for this console launch, even yes. ignoring it not necessarily being next gen only, just games released by Microsoft Game Studios. Like, because almost all the ones that have been released are just games like A Psychonauts 2 and even Redfall and Starfield would fall into this category, honestly, as well, which are games that were in development for years at another studio and Microsoft just bought them. So it's like, yes, it's technically published by Microsoft, um, but like they've only been presiding over the game for like 10% or something of its development time, which feels different to me than this is a studio that has been owned by Microsoft and started a project under Microsoft and then is released by Microsoft. Um, and it is, it is weird that they have just not managed to marshal their stuff around effectively enough to get a consistent release of big first party games like forever. I think one of the thing, weird things to think about, because this was something else I was thinking about when I was thinking about this Xbox One stuff was that Phil Spencer has been the head of Xbox for like 10 years at this point, almost. Yeah. Um, Because Don Matrick was only the head of Xbox for a couple of years. Um, He was basically when the Kinect came out and then the launch of the Xbox One. And then he was out basically as soon as the Xbox One released. And everyone like blames Don Matrick for everything. But it is like Phil Spencer has been in charge of Xbox for fucking ever at this point. And it's like weird. There's something I just had a, like a weird moment of having to readjust my timeline of everything around that because in my mind, 
he's all, he's still the new guy at Xbox. It's like, no, he's the longest serving head of Xbox ever. Um, he's been yeah. around for almost half of the existence of the fucking brand as the head of that company. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I remember the like big 2013 E3 where he came out and it was his first year and they announced all the big Game Pass stuff and it felt like they had a future and it has just been since that year a constant like two, I was going to say like one step forward, two steps back, I would say, mm-hmm. right? Of like constant, sometimes things happen, but most of the time they don't. And Phil Spencer has been very good at some things like the sort of building up Game Pass and I think kind of tying the PC and Xbox together and backwards those sorts compatible, of things. Like backwards compatible yes. stuff is a really good initiative that he started. But actually getting video games out, no. <laughs> and I, I'm sure that's not just him. That seems like a maybe institutional Microsoft thing that I don't know anyone could get over at this point. But it's an issue that, you know, just pales in comparison to what Sony and especially Nintendo obviously are achieving. Yeah, so it's like, because this, it's just, you know, when you look at this year and you see, hey, Redfall and Starfield, those both on, like, paper, this is a great year for Xbox. But I feel like we have been saying this is going to be a great year of X for Xbox since 2016, and it has never happened. Like, you know, they, they sometimes they do get good releases. Not that they've never put out anything good, but it's like no, they've we, never been consistent about it, which is frustrating. Yeah. We both have an Xbox Series S. Xbox yeah. is a worthwhile brand, but it is... It is weird. We'll see. Starfield, you know, in its pitch does nothing for me, but I, you know, obviously those kinds of games work for a lot of people and that's great. So we'll see. What are you, of all the games we just talked about, is there one you are most excited for in 2023? Well, I'll say that, Jonathan, that as you, we were like going through this list, I was very glad that you did this because I tend to all do this for my own list that I make that's like, a, here's the games I'm planning on playing this year. Um, and I was, and I hadn't done that yet. So I just was copying and pasting while you were, you were going through the list. And I actually have 19 games on this list of games that I'm pretty strongly interested in. The only couple on here that I was like, I threw on there because there are maybes, was Stalker 2, Starfield, and Wild Hearts. Everything else on here, um, Hi-Fi Rush, Dead Space, Like a Dragon, um, or Ishin, uh, Will Long Fallen Dynasty, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Resident Evil 4 Remake, uh, Armored Core 6, Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth, Alan Wake 2, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Final Fantasy 16, Street Fighter 6, um, Diablo 4, Like a Dragon, that Gaiden, all of those are games I'm either definitely going to play or like pretty likely going to play. Like Diablo 4 is maybe a maybe. Um, and that's a lot of games. Uh, I do not know if I will actually be able to play all those games this year. Um, yeah. Of those, I think the thing I'm probably most excited for, if it's as good as I want it to be, is Marvel Spider-Man 2. Because, because, I'm, <laughs> because I'm both because I love Spider-Man and those games are so good. But that's, you know, that's kind of like a one-two punch. I'd say that... Like, like a Dragon Ishin is really high up there on the scale for me in terms of titles I'm really interested in. Armored Core 6 is way up there. Final Fantasy 16 is way up there. And Street Fighter 6. I think those are like the titles that I am most excited for this year. Yeah, I just went through and bolded everything I would, in a perfect world, like to play. And there were 23 for me. Um, and yeah, I. it's hard to say. Here's the thing. It's entirely possible the game I was most interested in always already came out with Fire Emblem Engage. Uh, but obviously, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, way the hell up there for me. I would agree with you with Spider-Man and Final Fantasy 16. I think, are probably the ones at the top of the list for me. Um, but there's a lot. There's a lot of good stuff. The first half of this year is really packed, and I'm looking forward to a lot of video games. Yeah, and I, I hope they actually come out this year. That's just, you know... Yep, it, the eternal that, hope. That would be nice. 
Um, and then, obviously, actually, the number one game, I should just put this at the top of this list. Uh, I'm just going to put Genshin Impact. I'm going to write that on my list. <laughs> or I'm just going to put it there already. That's my placeholder number one game of the year. Uh, and we'll see if anything beats it. Genshin Impact 4.0 is going to be this year. Yes, we're going to go Barring, to Fontaine. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll get to see the Cryo Archon, or the not Cryo, a Hydro Archon, and there will be all kinds of good stuff. I think it's crazy that MiHoYo announced that they're putting the fucking Chinese weather balloon in Genshin as an event. <laughs> No, it's like actually the the Chinese weather balloon. That's actually an, an ancient artifact of Conria, you know, from before <laughs> the cataclysm five hundred years ago, and it's actually come out from the game. Um, it turns out Taewat, it's not a video game world. It's actually it's real. It's a real place. It's like the last Starfighter or something. Where it's like we're training to be heroes to be able to you know fight against the next cataclysm in the world of Taewat, and that's what Genshin Impact is. And I I will be the greatest hero when that Isekai adventure eventually happens. That's what I'm preparing for. <laughs> 